We'll open our Bibles again today to Scripture that we've been looking at each day in these classes. First of all, from the ninth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And then we'll look again into John's Gospel, the fifth chapter. Ninth chapter first. And then hold your place because we're going to come back to that ninth chapter again. The ninth chapter of Matthew's Gospel began to read with the 35th verse, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness or every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now in the fifth chapter of John's gospel, we read, beginning with the very first verse, that uh, after this, there was a great feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these, that is these five porches, lay a great multitude of important folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which I had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, or we would say in that condition, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, as you go on reading, you'll find that because he's carrying his bed on the Sabbath that the Jews, you know, stopped him and said, you, you know, you're breaking the Sabbath. And he said, the man that healed me or cured me said, he, uh, he told me to take up my bed. And they said, well, who was that man? And uh, the scripture said, and he that was healed in the 13th verse, he that was healed wist not who it was. He didn't know who had healed him. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Because of the crowd, he just slipped away in the crowd and was gone. Now afterwards, Jesus finds the man in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. Then you will find that Jesus said, in this 19th verse, Then answered Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things ever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Then in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, in the 12th verse, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now remember this, that the ministry of Jesus, or we might say the works of Jesus, consisted of three things, teaching, preaching, healing. Isn't that right? That's what he did. In that order. You see, a lot of times, you see, we get our minds, and we've covered that, so I'll not say a lot about it, just on one part of the ministry of Jesus and think, well, I'm not doing the works of Jesus unless something like that happens. 
because he was anointed, as Acts 10, 38, how said how God anointed Jesus and Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. Well, you see, the Holy Ghost manifests himself through the ministry of Jesus, of course, in what we call, or the Bible calls, gifts of the Spirit. So you'd see instant things happen, like uh, this man here was healed, not by Jesus teaching him, and evidently wasn't even healed on his own faith. Because Jesus never said anything about his faith, but by manifestation of the Spirit of God. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. So he just got up, took up his bed, and walked. Praise God. But you see, uh, Jesus himself could not do that with everybody. Because if he could, he'd, uh, he'd, got all, he'd emptied all five porches while he's there. But did you notice that he conveyed himself away, it says? I said, did you notice that? And left the five porches there. Now that explains to us, you know, very often the Spirit of God moves among us. We see it in different meetings and different people's ministries. Sometimes it's more in manifestation in some or in others. There's always been a sprinkling of it in my own ministry along as, as the Spirit wills. You know, you don't will it yourself because uh, you don't control the Spirit. I've said it before, I'll say it again. So many times I think where we missed it is we tried to use the Spirit instead of letting the Spirit use us. Amen. Amen. And you can't do that. And we, we noticed also in our lessons that Jesus himself gave two illustrations, you know. Uh, there in his hometown of Nazareth, in the fourth chapter of Luke, you know, he said, after he had read from Isaiah's prophecy, and it said, you know, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears or in your hearing. And uh, he said, read where the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's known me to do these things and so on. He said, I know what you'll say to me. You'll say, uh, the mighty works, you know, we heard you did in Capernaum, do them here. Let's see you do it here in Nazareth. And uh, Jesus then reminded them, because these are Jews, and the only Bible they had of that day was the Old Testament, of course, and Moses and the prophets was read every Sabbath day in the synagogues, you know. So he reminded them that there were two prophets in Israel's history. There were others, but two he mentioned. Uh, Elisha and Elijah. And he reminded them that in the days of Elijah that there were many, many widows in Israel, but that Elijah wasn't sent to any of them save unto Sarepta, city of Sidon. And there, you know, he, uh, the meal barrel just kept on giving meal and the oil crews just kept on pouring out oil. There was a working of miracles. Now what Jesus said is he couldn't just go into any widow's house and work a miracle unless God told him to. So God didn't tell him to go to all the widow's house, just go to that one. Are you following me? And then he followed that by saying in the days of Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel and none of them was healed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Well, now, if he could heal him, why couldn't he heal uh, uh, these other lepers? Well, now, he could have ministered healing to them on a different level because they had a covenant of healing. He could encourage them to believe that. But this was a manifestation of the Spirit. You see, Elisha didn't even go out and pray or anything. He just sent his servant out there because he heard from heaven. He got a word from God, and he just sent that word out there. Go dip in the River Jordan seven times, you'll come again whole, clean, and he was, and he did, didn't he? But did you notice Elijah never did make that work for anybody else? Elisha? Never did make that work for anybody else. I mean, there's not any record of that ever happening again. I remember one time, I refer to this quite frequently because it just happened one time, one time, and I don't know whether it'll ever happen again or not. I don't know. I don't control that. But one time, in my ministry right here in the state of Oklahoma, down the southern part of the state, I was preaching, and just as I finished my sermon, Way back 1950, fall of 1950, the word of the Lord, October of 1950, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, minister to everybody that has anything wrong with them from their hips down. Now ordinarily I'd give an altar call first, send people to the prayer room to be saved, but it said, before you give the altar call, right now, the voice said, minister to everybody that has anything wrong with them from their hips down, hips, knees, ankles, feet, or, you know, their bones, anything wrong with the hips down, cripple, arthritis, whatever. Well, 12 people came and 11 out of 12 were healed instant. Now, now when they got down there, see, I suppose he just said minister to them. I suppose he's, he meant minister by laying on a hand. But while they're coming and some of them had to be carried down there, the word of the Lord came unto me further saying, deal with each one of them individually. That is, don't deal with all of them at once, you know, collectively. Each one individually. Deal with them, talk to them, deal with them individually. And tell each one of them that I told you to tell them to run, and if they'll run, they'll be healed. Now, how's a crippled person going to run? 
Well, did you ever stop thinking about it? Evidently, this fellow's bed fast because Jesus said, take a bed. How's a bed fast person going to get up and take her to bed and walk? Now, see, 11, the first 11 out of the 12 ran. Two or three of them ran right out. Three people, hold up, ran right out of their arms, just ran just as good as you could. The 12th one said, I can't, so they didn't receive. Now, I've never had that happen to me before. I have had the Lord to tell me to tell somebody to run a time or two, but not, not, not just the same way, you know, like this fellow back here that we had to testify, you know, from Birmingham, you know, he is a, uh, you see, because I was directed by the Spirit of God just to call for those that was, you know, had an impediment in their hearing, you know, partial deafness, in other words, or an impairment in the hearing. And so two or three ladies came and I said, well, you know, somebody else. So finally this gentleman came and, and I, uh, I knew in my spirit that he was the one, you see. And I said, you're the one. I should have said that it was a man. And this time the Lord said to me to just slap him on the ear. See, I never did pray for him. Never prayed for him. Never known him at all. And I, just, I hit him pretty good lick. I mean, it popped, you know, and he thought it was just soft, didn't you? Now, see, this fellow's from, from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. We were preaching three years ago down in Atlanta, Georgia, you see, and he and his wife came over from Birmingham. Well, you see, I, that was a manifestation of the Spirit. And then without thinking, you see, inspired by the Spirit, I said to him, run down the aisle after I'd slapped him on the ear, and instantly his ear was open. And it, without thinking, he ran down the aisle. You know, and like he said, never dawned on him until later that he hadn't run 20 years. <laughs> see, that's what the Lord said to do, said, see. And, and, and then they got back in the motel room, and before they was coming to the service one time or another, he knows because he had varicose veins, he noticed they'd disappeared. Well, someone said, I wish the Lord would do that to me. Well, talk to him about it. Don't talk to me about it. I didn't do it. All I did, I'm just the messenger boy. <laughs> Amen. Are you listening? I'm just the messenger boy. I'm just delivering God's message. Don't get your eyes on me. I'm like Even Jesus himself said the same thing. He said, I can't of myself do nothing. So what I'm saying is those things do happen occasionally, you see. I mean, and in some people's ministry more often than other people's ministry. But it is always as the Spirit wills. Now, Jesus did minister that way. But where we make our mistake is that some people think, well, that's the only way it ministers, and I want that. If I don't get that, then I'm not going to take anything. Well, then you're going to be left out. Unless God did move that way, which you ever notice not many out of these five porches full, one of them under the ministry of Jesus was healed that way, wasn't he? One out of five porches full. Amen. Somebody said, well, I don't understand that. Well, now let me ask you a question. Do you think you're smart enough in your little old peanut brain to understand God? He's too big for you to understand anyhow, so quit trying to figure it out. Just rejoice that the Lord moves. Amen. Are you listening? Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, you see, Jesus' ministry, that's not all that his ministry or his works consisted of. He produced works by teaching. Are you listening to me? Because you see, faith comes, the Bible said, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And by teaching the word, faith comes, and then people were healed on their faith, many of them were. I pointed out that there are 19 specific cases of healing mentioned in the four gospels, and out of the 19, 12 of them, it speaks of their faith, did it? Now here, Jesus never said a word about that man's faith, did he? Not one word, did he? You see? But, 12 out of 19 cases, Jesus does speak about the faith of the individual. Well, now, how did those individuals get faith? Did God just sort of fly over their head like a bird in the air and drop faith down the heart? No, no. There's a little secret. Now, for instance, a woman with the issue of blood is a good example. Mark, the fifth chapter, gives a more detailed account than, than the eighth chapter or the ninth chapter of Matthew or the eighth chapter of Luke does. And there, notice it said, there's a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things and many physicians, nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now notice, when she heard, when she heard, notice that in her case now, nothing happened till she heard something. When she heard, do you notice that? You can read there in Mark 5, 25. I started with 25th verse, you know, 25, 26, 27. Now, when she heard, 27th verse, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. 28th verse, for she said. Now notice, 
when she heard of Jesus. Now, remember, Jesus is the word. I said, remember, the Bible said Jesus is the word. See, he's the living word. And this written word has been given unto us to unfold and reveal the living word to us. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Remember what the text said there in Romans 10, 17? So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. When she had heard of Jesus. Well, this, this, this substitute word for the name Jesus because he is the word of God, isn't he? See, John's gospel, first chapter, first verse said, in the beginning was the word, the word is with God, the word was God. And all things were made by him, without him was not anything made that was made. And the 14th verse said, and the word is made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1, John's gospel, first chapter, first and second verses, and then the 14th verse, I just quoted. Now, notice, so the substitute word for Jesus, when she had heard the word, hallelujah, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Glory to God. Faith came. Well, I know she had faith. I don't know it. Well, read the 34th verse. Jesus said unto her, daughter, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Whose faith did it? Thy faith did. In other words, her faith. In other words, the way we speak today, he said, your faith has made you whole. Well, now how did she get faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. When she had heard of Jesus, when she had heard the word. Praise God, faith came. Now, I want you to notice that our text back over here, one of our texts back here in Matthew, this ninth chapter, 35th verse says, the concerning the ministry of Jesus now. now. Now, keep in your mind John 14, 12. The works that I do shall ye do also. Now, see, I think, you know, that our, our thinking, really, now listen to me real carefully. Even in charismatic and full gospel Pentecostal circles, we've got our mind off on the spectacular and have missed the supernatural. Now, did you hear that? You see, we think that, uh, now for this man just to get up off of that bed and take, you know, him just speak to him and rise up, that, that's sort of spectacular, isn't it? You know, th th those 12 people come. You see, some people carry them down there. Incidentally, there's a little sequel to that story that I tell that I think will bless you, and I seem to be impressed to tell it just now. The very first one when I called for these people was a man that came scooting down the aisle by himself, but he couldn't pick his feet up, and it looked like he's sitting down. See, his legs were drawn and he looked like he sat down and he couldn't pick his feet up. He scooted, you see, and here he stands right over here. He's the first one on the end of the line. This, he, see, this, this was just a plain, you know, uh, floor, no rug on the floor or anything. So he scooted pretty good, you know. And, and he looked like he sat down, you know, standing up, you know, down further than this, way on down there. Well, I said, what's wrong with you? Because the Lord said, deal individually with him, one by one. Well, he said, I was burned a year ago on the job. And he said, this is the first day I've been out of bed, see, in one solid year. I spent six months in the hospital. You know, after he got over his burn, well, they were, he was taking therapy, you see. He said, the doctor said that my limbs and legs were, were burned so deeply that the ligaments and all were burned and, and drawn and that my legs would always be drawn. This is the best that I'd, I'd ever be. And this is the first day I had him to get, he said, now the reason, I, I live 80 miles away but he said, a man from our town was here last night who was bound with arthritis and couldn't walk and he come back healed. And I said, well, just get me out of bed and carry me over there. Well, I said, are you a Christian? He said, well, I'm Baptist. I said, well, you, I was in the full gospel. You understand you'll be full gospel, not be saved. Yeah, but he said, I know I'm born again. And he said, though I'm Baptist, I, I know God can do anything. And, and I just come expecting to be healed. Praise the Lord. Well, I said, you know what I said to him, you know, knowing that the Lord told me to tell him, run. I said, can you run? And it so startled that poor fellow. He said, oh my God, no, I can't walk, much less run. I said, the Lord told me to tell you to run down that aisle and you'd be healed. Now that Baptist fellow, bless his heart, you know, he never questioned that for a minute. You never saw a fellow whirl and scoot down the aisle so fast in your life. And he scooted down three sections of seats in this building. He scooted down that aisle, back up this aisle. And he's still a scooting. I mean, I mean, just <laughs> look like he's sitting down, you know, just, you know, bought in that kind of position, you know. And, and so he went around once and nothing else. I said, well, do it again. 
You know, when, you know, when you know God's spoken, well, don't give in to human reasoning. You'll get defeated if you do. Amen. So he scooted around the second time. And I didn't know what was going to happen, was going to happen. I mean, you know, I never know. That's the reason sometimes I, I can't hardly wait till I get there to find out what is going to happen. <laughs> Praise God. When he come around the second time, I didn't know I was going to do it. I never thought of doing it. It never entered my mind to do it. But the Spirit of God came on me. And I leaped off the platform, grabbed him by the arm, and ran with him down the aisle. And when we came up the other aisle, he was running as good as I was. His body was straightened out. His body was perfectly, completely, 100% healed right there in front of everybody. Now, here's the sequel to the story. The very next night, and see, he lived 80 miles away from where we was conducting me. The very next night, when I gave the invitation, which ordinarily I did, which I didn't then. I, I ministered first. They gave the invitation later. Usually when I get through preaching, I give the invitation, then go into the healing service. If you've been in my meetings, you know that. And so the next night when I gave the invitation, they were two elderly or older, white-haired gentlemen. They looked like twins. That, and I thought they were, that, that answered the altar call. Well, we had two small rooms. They weren't real large up beside the platform. So for that road, we'd send everybody in one room. For that reason, we had the men to go in one room, the ladies to go in another room, and they were, there's a gentleman over the prayer room and a lady over the other, and there's workers there to pray with them, you see. So I asked the gentleman over the men's prayer room, I said, those two older fellows, you know, that went into the prayer room, were they twins? They just looked almost identical. Both of them white-haired. No, but he said they're brothers. They're two years apart. One of them was 74. One of them was, I believe, 76. Something like that. And then he said, Brother Higgins, you'd be interested in their story. I said, well, what happened? Well, he said, both of them got saved. One of them also went on and was baptized with the Holy Ghost and left speaking in tongues. He said, you'll be interested in their story. He said, the man that was burned so badly, you know, and was healed last night, yeah, well, he lives right next door to them right next door to them. And so he said, they looked out there today and saw him working in his yard and in the flower beds. And they thought that poor fellow's drug himself out there because they knew he'd been in bed for a year, you know, the day before, year. They didn't know what happened in the nighttime, you know. He's over there in the meeting. And so they kept watching him directly and they saw him get up and just walk off, you know, with a bucket in his hand. They thought, no, that can't be him. His body's straight, and they rushed out there to see, well, what happened to you? Well, he said, I was over there 80 miles away in this meeting of Full Gospel Church. A fellow that used to be a Baptist preacher over there. Uh, just, well, said, he just called for everybody had anything wrong with him, and he told me to run. And when I ran up and down the aisle, I was healed. He didn't tell him all detail. And these fellows said, well, maybe we are wrong. You know, we have been born and raised in the Church of Christ, and we've been taught all that's done, been done away with. But here's our next door neighbor. They know him. Let's go over there and examine it. And after they came over to see about it, they come to find out there's just church members never been born again. So they came up and was born again one of them filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, you know, men that old, all their life under that kind of environment, they had to be a miracle to change them. Isn't that right? I think the sequel to the story is as miraculous as the rest of it. Praise God. But now, now, you see, that, that, that was supernatural. Well, that does happen. But you see, I think we fail to realize that, we, that that was more spectacular, we would say. That we're waiting on the spectacular to happen and missing the supernatural. Now, for instance, you see, people can be healed and are as spirit manifests himself. But Jesus got people healed just by teaching them. I've had people with every incurable disease you can think of, healed just by teaching. I never prayed. Nobody else prayed. It comes to my mind just now that I was teaching in 1953 in Dallas, Texas, one of the larger full gospel churches of the city. I was there for seven full weeks. And so I remember that uh, a lady said, to me, one of the members that was coming in the morning teaching service. See, I taught every morning. Now, at night time, I didn't always teach and preach and have, you know, a variety of kinds of services. Not always healing service every night. But one of the ladies in the morning teaching class said to me, Brother Hagin, my next door neighbor has lost her mind. Gone insane. Now, different states have different laws and 
in Texas, they had to have a, you, you can't just, you know, otherwise some member of the family want to get rid of somebody, might just commit them to asylum. They have to have a hearing before a judge and have to be proven, you know, through a psychiatrist and medical science, so on, that they are insane and need institutional care, and then they commit them. She'd already been committed. All the hearings all passed. She has been committed to the asylum. Within 10 days, they're going to carry her. They're just waiting for the day to come for them to take her. This lady said, I'm going to ask her husband if he'll let me bring her to these morning services. She asked me, what do you think about it? I said, well, I don't know. I don't know the woman. I mean, that's just up to you. How are you led? I feel led to do it. I said, do it then. Now, she said, he's not a Christian and she's not either because said, I've talked to him, tried to get him to come to church. And they said, well, we're not interested in things like that. Good neighbors now. Don't misunderstand me. You couldn't ask for any better neighbors. They'd see after the property while we're gone on vacation, mow the yard, you know, or whatever. Just wonderful people now. But we tried to talk to them about the Lord and they'd just very kindly say, well, now we're just not interested in things like that. So she brought her. I never forget it. Now, I'll show you the condition of that woman's mind. She's about 40-some-odd years of age. But this lady set her down by her right down close to the front in the teaching service. And let me show you the condition of her mind. Right in the middle of my Bible lesson, she'd just get up and stand up, you know. A 47-year-old woman acting like a little bitty kid, you know, not the mind of a two-year-old. She'd just suddenly get up and stand up right in the middle of my Bible class and say, I got to go to the restroom. Where's the bathroom? I, I got to go. Well, this lady knew she didn't. She'd pull her back down and say, shh, hush now, honey, hush now. Shh. Direct, she'd say, I won't drink water. I won't drink water. I know I do. She'd say, hush, hush now, honey, hush. You know, and she'd just mumble and go on, you know. That lady asked me, said, well, did it disturb you? I said, no, that's all right, just leave her there. Just, just bring her on back. Now, the next day, she acted the same way, two days. The third day, she sat there, not only... Did she come the third day? She brought her Bible with her. She sat there. She never, she never opened her Bible now. She, she held that Bible. Sort of held it in her hands, you know, like it's a treasure, and thank God it is. But she, but she, she never said anything. She never, she never took her eyes off of me the whole time. Now, to make a long story short, I never prayed for her. I never laid hands on her. I never anointed her at all. I don't know whether anybody else prayed for her. Maybe her neighbor did just pray in a general way that her eyes would be open. Before the 10 days was up, she was saved, baptized the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, healed, had another hearing on it, never did send her to this island. And to make a longer story shorter, <laughs> five years later, I was back to the same church and she and her husband, both of them, still in church, on fire for God. Glory to God, her husband got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I never prayed. What did that? What did that? That's doing the works of Jesus, folks. That's supernatural. I said, that may not be so spectacular. Now, you know, hey, the very first day she came and acted that way, if the Spirit of God had moved upon her, you might have could have ministered to her and instantly been delivered. But he didn't move, so there's no use of me trying to put on something if it's not there. Because I don't have that supernatural, spectacular manifestation, I'm not going to say, well, uh, you know, throw up my hand and say, no, nothing I can do. No, I said, just keep bringing her, keep bringing her. Let her hear the word. Thank God that he sent his word and healed them, the Bible said also. And the word did it. See, we ran that meeting seven weeks. Now here this woman testifies. Not only that, people can see. I mean, those coming to the day service know how she acted. Didn't have the mentality, evidently, of a two-year-old child. And now then, you know, she's happy and free and smiling and laughing. And their husband saved, baptized the Holy Ghost. And so another lady said to me, Brother Hagin, my sister is in the asylum. About 30, 32, 33 miles east of Dallas is a little town called Terrell, Texas. And there's a state institution there, you see. My sister has been an inmate of that asylum for seven years. Now, the doctors have said that she will always need institutional care. In other words, she'll have to stay in the institution all her life. However, I can usually, they'll let her come home with me, you know, and spend a week or two on furlough just about any time that I want her. I'm, I see after this woman's delivered, you see, and healed. I'm going down there and get my sister, this lady said. And I'm going to bring her to these services. So she went down to Terrell, got her sister on a two-week furlough, Brought her up there. She heard 10 Bible lessons. 
I never prayed for her. I never laid hands on her. I don't know whether anybody else prayed or not unless her sister did in a general way. At the end of the 10 days, her mind was all right. When they took her back, because she's an inmate of the asylum, and they ran all their tests on her, all the psychiatric tests, they dismissed her, sent her home, pronounced her well and delivered. Now that's supernatural. Now that may not be spectacular. You see, the first day she came in saying, now you see, she's not, she's not violent. They, they wouldn't have let her out if she'd been violent, you know. But she, the doctor said she'll always, see her mentality's in such a state, and she'd been here seven years, you see. She'll always need institutional care, always. But she didn't always need institutional care. Now you see, that wasn't so spectacular, but it was supernatural, wasn't it? That was doing the works of Jesus, wasn't it? She was healed. Now you see, right on the other hand, Right on the other hand now, the first Saturday of May of 1943, in the parsonage of the old church there that I pastored in Farmersville, Texas, in Blackland, North Central Texas, a lady brought her sister, who was an inmate of the asylum in Wichita Falls, Texas, a state institution in Wichita Falls, Texas. Now this woman had become violently insane, tried to kill herself, tried to kill others. And for over two years was in solitary confinement. No exercise, no sunshine, shut up myself. Eat with her hand like an animal. You can't let her have a spoon or a fork or a knife. She'll kill herself with it, you see? And after a two-year period, the authorities wrote and said to her family, your daughter has been here over two years. She is no longer violently insane. And we don't believe she ever will be anymore. However, she will always need institutional care. But now this is 43, World War II was on. We're short of help. She's been two years in solitary confinement, no sunshine, no exercise, and her general overall health has deteriorated. If you could come and get her, you see, spring of 43, if you could come and get her and bring her, take her home on two-week furlough, and walk her in the sunshine. If you have a city park, take her out in the park and, and stay with her all day long. You know, so she'd get some sunshine and exercise. Because if the change of environment and sunshine and exercise does not improve her appetite, she's not going to live much longer. So they went and got her. And the first Saturday of May, I didn't know she was coming, but first Saturday of May, 1943, two o'clock in the afternoon, they brought her. They brought her to the pastorage where we were pastor. To make a long story short, she sat in the middle of the living room just like a, like a robot, like a statue, never batted her eye, just stared straight in front. I believe you could put your hand this way and never bat her eyes. Well, we started to pray. Now here's a spectacular supernatural manifestation. The Spirit of God said something. The Spirit of God said to me, go stand in front of her and say, come out thy unclean spirit in the name of Jesus. To make a long story short, I did. He did, God did, praise God, the whole thing worked and she was delivered and the same institution declared her well. And 19 years later, I had an account from her sister that she's teaching a Sunday school class, working the place of business, praise God, and still healed. But now you see, that was spectacular. Now here were these two ladies, one committed to the asylum, another one in the asylum. We never had anything spectacular. Well, can you not help them? Is that not the works of Jesus because it, just because it's not spectacular that instantly there's different? Oh no, oh no. Jesus himself taught the people, hallelujah. The teaching of the word of God will affect people if they will listen to it and will accept it. It will affect them mentally, spiritually, and physically. Can you say amen? amen. I said, can you say amen? amen? Praise God, hallelujah. Well, you see, these two healings were supernatural, just as supernatural. These two ladies that just sat under the teaching and were healed and delivered were just as supernatural as the other. They may not have been so spectacular. But listen, we need to realize that it does not need to be spectacular to be supernatural. And the Spirit of God said to me one time, or Jesus through the Spirit said, my people are many times are looking for the spectacular and missing the supernatural. Can you see that? I'll tell you, even the Word of God is supernatural. This book right here is a supernatural book. You're carrying a supernatural book around your hand. Glory to God. Amen. Isn't that right? Yes. 
You are born of a supernatural spirit. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. Isn't that right? You have supernatural life already in your spirit. It may not be so. You may not have such a spectacular experience like some of us did, but you've got a, a supernatural power within you, the life of God. Hallelujah. The life of God, eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise God for the supernatural. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. All right, I want us to notice something else. I mean, I don't have any notes on these two weeks. I'm just, 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 just going <laughs> with the Spirit. Praise God. Uh, but there's something else the Holy Spirit impresses me with. Now, look again here. I told you the whole that night chapter. Remember, I told you you're going to come back there. Night chapter of Matthew. Now, look at something here, and you can see something else. Remember these two blind men as Jesus departed thence from the 27th verse of the ninth chapter of Matthew, as Jesus departed thence. That is from Jairus' house. Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thy son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Now notice, notice that 29th verse. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, so be it done unto thee, according to your faith. Now, you see, you need to realize that God will meet you on the level of your faith. Are you listening to me? He'll meet you on the level of your faith. He'll honor your faith. I bring out the fact sometimes that the last church I pastored, that we, we had a lady that... Uh, was in quite a bit of pain, misery, and under the care of doctors. And uh, they said she needed an operation. Well, she would have liked to have been healed by divine power. She's saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, all right. And so I keep constantly, you see, holding her up against the Word of God as I had with others and would usually get them healed. But I saw I'm not making any progress because, you see, one thing is she's growing worse. She's in pain and misery, and it's difficult when you get into pain to operate, you see. And so she's, she's in, in quite a bit of pain. And there's just no need of her going on, you see, in, in all this pain. So I said to her just one day, now, I've tried to bring you up to the level of faith of, of where I am, that is, and where the Bible wants you to be. No indictment against you, but, but to, to be healed by divine power. See, get you in agreement with me. Be healed by the power of God. But we haven't been successful. Now, I just want to ask you a question. What can you believe? Now, it's obvious she's not believing what I'm believing. Agree with me. If it was, her healing would have been manifested. Isn't that right? Two of you agree on her. Touch anything else, it'll be done. So, I'm talking about according to your faith now. So, I said to her, what can you believe? Well, she said, and I never had asked her that before because I'm just trying to get her to believe to the fullest extent. She said, well, I can believe that God will guide the surgeon's hand. See, I saw she had her mind set on that operation. I believe God will guide the surgeon's hand. I believe God will see me safely through this operation. I said, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I've tried to get you to come up to this level and haven't succeeded. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll come down there on the level where you are and agree with you. Hallelujah. See, there's a way you can help people. According to your faith. See, Jesus, let me say it again. I, I emphasize it. I'll reemphasize He did not say to these two blind men, Jesus did not say, according to my faith, so be it done unto you. I had no authority then to say to that woman, according to my faith, so be it done unto you. It's going to be according to her faith. If she's not in agreement with me, then I'm going to have to get in agreement with her or else we're not going to get anything. So I said, all right, you just listen to this prayer then and see if you can agree with it. I just laid my hand on the woman's head and said, Father, I'm going to agree with my sister. She says that she can believe that you will guide the surgeon's hand in this operation. She says she believes that you will see her safely through this. I'm going to agree with her. And then I asked, dear Lord, I know that after the operation that nature will heal her body up, you know, a certain length of time. But I'm going to ask that she will respond so quickly, come out of it so fast, and heal up much faster than nature by itself would do it, until the doctors himself will be astounded. Amen. 
I said, you agree with that? She said, I agree with it. Well, the woman's operated on. And uh, the doctor told me, because I was there at the time, afterwards, one of the doctors, of the three, he, he called me aside, he knew who it was. And he said, uh, now, we took a little longer time because I knew they were in there longer than what they said it would be. But we, we did a little exploratory. You know, we knew what was wrong with her, all right. But really, we cut her open from, from her breastbone all the way down, her stomach entirely, see, just to see if there is anything else. Ordinarily, just made an incision down lower, but see, completely from, from here to here. And we didn't find anything else. You know, just what we knew, and that was all, and that's it. She's in good shape. She'll come out of it. Well, now she uh, began to come out from under the medicine you know, to put her to sleep about noontime. And then I was there at 8 o'clock that evening. You know, visiting hours. And this same doctor talked to me that morning, one of the three on the case, came round with the nurse and with this clipboard, you know, with her record, you know. She's sitting up there talking to us, smiling, laughing, sort of propped up on, you know, cranked up, you know, like his own baby, a couple of pillars in a half-sitting position. He said, how are you feeling? I said, fine. You got any pain? No. You hurting anywhere? No. He said, I see by this chart you haven't had any shots for pain, anything. She said, no, I don't need it. I'm not hurting. Oh, he said, you've got to be hurting. Lying up there in bed with your belly cut wide open. You have to hurt. Well, she said, I'm not. Well, I'm going to ride down here for him to give you a shot. That's the only shot they ever gave her. He told me standing right outside of that hospital door, room door, just a couple of days later, he said, you know, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I wouldn't believe it if some of the doctor had told me. I'm going to, he just elated. He's almost jumping up now. He's, he said, I'll just tell you the truth about it, Reverend. And he pointed back to the, you know, in there. He said, that, that's nothing short of a miracle. That's nothing short of a miracle. Now, that wasn't the best miracle God had, but it's still a miracle. And it sure does beat getting nothing. <laughs> Doesn't it? See? Now, what am I talking about? According to your faith. Now, that's where that woman's faith was. Then doesn't mean she's an inferior Christian, wasn't as good as the rest of us in the church because she's just as good, just as saved, just as filled with the Spirit. But you see, her faith started operating on that level and I, and I saw her faith grow until I, I, I'm fairly convinced, I'm fairly convinced that her faith developed beyond the faith of anybody else, any other woman in the church. But now she could have been defeated, you see, if she took the negative side and said, well, it didn't work for me and I had to be operated on, I missed it, you know, and let the devil whip her and she never believed for anything. Are you following me? But you stayed on the positive side, bless God, and developed and grew spiritually. And even according to medical science, we had a miracle. And you know yourself that's a miracle. He said, I've never seen anybody. I've seen, we, we do these kind of operations, you know, sometimes as many as five of them in one day. And it average nearly three of them a day. And he said, I've never seen anybody come out of it so fast. Now he, again, he told me what he told me. That'd be in nature, you know, would heal them up so quick. But I've never seen anything. Well, thank God for the miraculous. That was supernatural, wasn't it? Now, that might not have been spectacular, but it was supernatural, wasn't it? The doctor even himself called it a miracle. Now, according to your faith, according to your faith. I remember he was holding a meeting in Pomona, California, in the first Foursquare Church, January 1956, whole month of January. Dr. Guy P. Duffield was pastor of that church at that time. And so I remember we were there, as I said, four full weeks. And so we'd been there for a couple of weeks. And on a Sunday night, we was having a healing service and a healing line. Folks came across the platform. I laid hands on them, and Dr. Duffield stood there and backed me up. And here came a lady, an older lady. Now, I didn't say an old lady. So don't go off and get your feelings hurt. You know, 72 years older than 25. So I didn't say an old lady. I said older. An older lady. She had fallen a year or two or so before and broken her hip. And it had not altogether mended perhaps as thoroughly as it should. Some do, you know, and some don't. I don't know. Anyway, she had to walk with a crutch on the right side on that hip, you see. She walked with a crutch on this side, had one crutch. Now the same lady had hearing aids on both ears. And so here she came. 
Well, I didn't particularly look at her, but I just saw her, you know, to examine her closely about these hearing aids. I saw her and had seen her around there on the crutch and maybe at a distance you wouldn't see the hearing aids anyway. They're small. But here she came and, you know, crippling along with that crutch. So when she got up here, because see folks helping up on the platform, some helping them down over here, you know, and she got up here, you know, I said, well, what did you come for? She turned around and said, Brother Egan, see that hearing aid? These hearing aids, she said, you know, I, I, I sat back there right under one of the speakers. They had a good PA system. And I don't get half of what you say. Now, not just you, same way with Dr. Duffield here. And any other preacher, I never catch half of the sermon. I've got this thing, you know, turned up as far as I can. If it turned up too high, I'd go to squealing, you know. But as far as I can stand it, as far as I can. And I never catch half of anything that's ever said. And I just need to hear the word of God. And I just said to myself, now God knows I need to hear the Bible and hear it preached. I can read it, I know, but God put preachers and teachers and so on in the church. And I need that. And I just said to myself, now, Dr. Duffield and Brother Hagin, that's Peter and John, just like at the gate called Beaver. I'm just going up there and getting my hearing. Well, I said, you will. And so we just laid hands on her. She took the hearing aids off, heard perfectly. I barred somebody's pocket while she could hear it out of either ear. And incidentally, we carried the meeting on two more weeks. She sat there without any hearing aids and didn't have to get close to the speaker, heard everything, talked to people in normal tone. Incidentally, I went back the next year. Now, Dr. Duffield went up to Vancouver, B.C., Canada, and pastor, and I went up there and had a meeting, and, and Pastor Johnson came along to pastor that church the next year, and I was there the whole month of, of, of January of 1957 again. And, uh, and that same little woman, a year later, she was sitting there hearing everything, her ears perfectly well. So we all rejoiced about that, and here she was with that crutch, you know, crippling off. Just, I said, before she got over here off the platform, I said, hey, wait a minute. She heard me turn, I told you, you talking to me? Yeah. I said, don't you want something else? No, I got what I came after. Well, I said, what about that hip? Oh, she said, I can get by with that. I needed to hear and went on. See, according to your faith, be it done unto you. I was ready to pray for a hip, but it wasn't according to my faith. Jesus really wanted to heal her hip, but it's not according to his faith. Notice what Jesus said. What did he say? According, according to your faith, so be it done unto you. Well, she did get a miracle, didn't she? She did receive a supernatural healing, didn't she? Yes, she did, thank God. And just because she didn't get healed of, the, uh, of that broken hip or the result of the broken hip doesn't mean that she's an inferior Christian or less saved or less filled with the Spirit. Some way or another, she just said, well, I can get by with that, but I sure do need to hear. And so she believed for it. According, 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 Jesus says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Doesn't he? I said, doesn't he? Praise the Lord. Now, that explains something else to us. We've seen, we who have been in the healing business for a good many years, and I've been in the healing business now almost a half century. And we've seen many instant healings. But I'll be honest with you, more healings we've seen have been gradual than instant. Well, now, why are the gradual healings and why are the instant healings? Now, first of all, some people would say, and I've had them to say to me, well, now, you know, Jesus always healed everybody instantly. And when they do, I always say to them, well, I, I thought I read the Bible where it said the 10 lepers were healed as they went. Yeah, that is in there. Well, I read also that the Bible said under the ministry of Jesus, the first miracle that he wrought. Said the nobleman's son began to amend from that hour. Well, what does it mean he began to amend? It means he began to get better and was finally all right from the hour. Amen. I read in the Bible that Jesus spit on the ground, made clay of the spittle, rubbed it off on a rubbed it on a blind man's eye and said, go wash it off in the pool of Siloam and I shall come again sin. Now he wasn't healed instantly right on the spot, was he? I mean, there had to be a little time lapse there, didn't he? Wasn't he? 
Now, I grant you, most of the healings under the ministry of Jesus were instant. Now, why is it then, and, and I'll not have time to discuss this in full. I'll get into it a little later on now in more detail. Why is it that healing is by degree? Or I'll, I'll rephrase it. Healing, we who are in the healing ministry have discovered it. Healing is by degree. Based on two conditions. There are two conditions. One is the degree of healing power that's administered. Now, Jesus had the spirit without measure, John 3.34 said. I find that when I am more anointed or a greater measure of the spirit of God's operating on me, I have more instant healings because it's the spirit that's doing it, you see. So first, it's by degree based on the degree of healing virtue or power administered. Secondly, the degree of faith. The degree of faith that gives action to that power. Are you listening to me? Now you can see that with this woman here. I, I had the anointing. I laid hands upon her. I knew that power went into her. It healed ears. She was only healed to a certain degree. Her complete body was not healed. She still crippled to a certain extent. But that's the degree of faith she had. She's not believing for anything else. Can you see that? Now we need to encourage people and teach them to believe, bless God, for the fullness of what God has. That they can be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Now then you see some people just believe for the new birth. That's all they ever believe. One time that's all I believed for. I didn't know to believe for anything else. See, you can't believe beyond actual knowledge. You cannot believe beyond actual knowledge. Or let me state it again. F.F. Bosworth said, faith begins where the will of God's known. Well, I'd heard as a Baptist boy all my life the new birth preached. I never heard anybody say, new birth, not as far as nowadays. Nobody can be born again in these days. Or I never heard anybody say, well, it is God's will to save some, and some is not his will to save. If it's his will, why well, he'll save you. If it's not, he won't. No. So therefore, when I came to be saved, you see, my degree of faith and salvation was at such a level that I instantly received my salvation, the new birth. Never doubted it. Never doubted it. I have never been able to relate to these people that, that vacillate around, don't know whether they're saved or not. I've always known that from the day, from the 22nd day of April, 1933 till now, not one single moment did the thought ever occur to me, you might not be saved. Never, never. Never even a shadow of a doubt, much less the doubt. You come in on the word of God, brother, hallelujah, the right degree of faith, you're going to be shaken. But now I didn't believe any further than that. Now why didn't I believe any further than that? I didn't know the word of God any further than that. I didn't know the will of God any further than that. I didn't have any knowledge any further than that. So I rejoiced in my salvation. Praise God, but praise myself to sleep every night. Didn't make me much difference whether I did live or die. Thank God I'm going to heaven anyhow. Hallelujah, glory, 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 hallelujah, amen. And that's wonderful and right, glory to God. But you see, it was in the word. It's in the Bible that I found out. It's in this holy book, praise God, that I found out I could be healed. And when I saw it, you see, when the light dawned, see, remember the psalmist of old said, the entrance of his words giveth light. You see, it doesn't take any effort on the part of the will or the intellect of man to get faith. That's where so many people, they're struggling trying to get it. Oh, I'm a trying. Well, quit trying. You'll never get it. They struggle. You see, it's such a task. Oh, such a job. No, it doesn't take any effort on the part of the will or the intellect of man to get faith. As soon as the light comes, faith's there. As soon as the light comes, faith's there. The entrance of his words giveth light. Get the word into your spirit. How do you get the word into your spirit? Well, it'll have to go through your mind. You've got to listen to it. You've got to meditate upon it. You've got to speak it to yourself. Speak it to yourself. Speak it to yourself. Speak the word to yourself. One meaning in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that's translated meditate, you know, and remember what God said to Joshua way back there in the beginning when he took over Moses' place to lead the children of Israel, you know. 
And he gave him there in Joshua 1, 8, you know, the secret of success, you know. Hallelujah, thou shalt meditate therein. Talking about the word of God, you know. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night to observe to do all is written therein. And then he said, thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. That don't just apply to Joshua, friends. I mean, that'll work for every single one of us. Meditate, though, in the word, he said. Now, one meaning of the Hebrew word that's translated meditate means to mutter. To mutter, M-U-T-T-E-R, mutter. What does he mean? Well, say those words to yourself. Hallelujah. Say them to yourself. Mutter them. Mutter the word of God. Say it. I know from experience, lying on the bed in the nighttime, just repeating it over and over again, muttering the word to myself. I'm meditating in it. You see, by so doing, it, re it registers in here. When that word gets in here, remember, the entrance of thy words giveth light. Now, if those words never get any further than here, they don't give light. But they'll have to go through there to get here. Are you listening to me? Giveth light. When that light comes, faith is automatically there. Because you see, faith is the concomitant of knowledge. Faith is that which accompanies knowledge. Hallelujah to Jesus. Praise God. Now, so you see, my, my faith was at a certain level. I could believe for salvation because that's, that's where my degree of faith was. Now, some people just simply gradually take hold of healing or anything else from God. Other people, because they're a little further enlightened in the word of God and encouraged to do so, sometimes just run, grab hold of it, praise God, and receive it. Now, that's the reason that very often healing is by degree. I've found in dealing with people so many times, chronic cases particularly, that it works this way. You see, folks a lot of times just didn't get into that shape overnight. I'm talking about chronic conditions. And a lot of times it's very difficult for them to, to just accept under some unusual circumstances, to, to, to just come out of it overnight. But I found through the years of dealing with chronic cases, if I can get them started to believing, you know, just gradually, and they start to improve, then their faith will be inspired. Now, now, you see, that inspires the faith. Don't give them faith. It inspires the faith of God. Then their faith begins to take hold. Praise God, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. In fact, I've said in dealing with certain people, you see, we tried to get them to believe, receive an instant healing and walk out of that wheelchair right now. We weren't successful. I said, all right, can you believe this then? Can you believe for a gradual healing? See, the Bible said, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Will you believe that you start recovering from this moment? Yeah, I'll believe that. About three days later, couldn't tell any difference for three days. About three days later, they, they were so improved that they just almost read and shout. Glory to God, hit the ceiling. A few more days and he's out of the chair. You see? All right. According to your faith, so be it done unto you. Don't give up on the situation, you see, because your faith's not at that higher level, but start believing what you can believe. Are you listening to me now? And after all, the Bible did say, they, believers, shall lay hands on the sick, and what will happen? They'll do what? They'll all get healed instantly. No, that's not what it said. It said they shall recover. All right. Praise God. Start believing you'll recover then. Start telling people, I'm recovering. Hallelujah. Well, how are you feeling? He said, well, I'm recovering. Glory to God. Amen. It's amazing what results you get in this area. I've seen it happen. Now, according to your faith, that's the reason I said, and I'm going to expound on that and, and, uh, and expand, both expound and expand. <laughs> Amen. I want to talk about expound. Expound means to preach on it, to talk about it, and expand means, you know, greater level uh, later. But healing by us by degree, based on these two conditions, praise God for his holy word. Well, my time's run out on me. You folks listen so good. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you are, you can't hardly wait to get here tomorrow. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up and thank God for His holy word. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org. Or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 741500126. 
And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.